Will attended the 2023 IAB New Fronts and we discuss his five key takeaways. CTV dominates, full funnel ahead, fast concerns, platform glass ownership advantages and shout outs. Listen on to learn more. Welcome to this week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and that was Colin Dixon, of course, at the top there. Hey, Colin, how is everything going? It's going great, Will, and uh, I see your Celtics are still struggling through the NBA playoffs. Hey, now, wait a second. Is that what you're struggling is when you demolish <laughs> the Sixers by how many <laughs> dozens of points again was it? I, lo- I lost track. I turned it off when the lead was like 26 when they were hitting every three in sight. So uh, I, I'm i going to beg to differ with the term struggling. Well, you didn't sound so optimistic last week. Well, I sound a lot more optimistic after last night's game, last night, well, there you go. Wednesday night, which was... <laughs> what a difference a week can make, Absurd, eh? yeah. I mean, it was pretty unbelievable. But anyway, we digress. I'm back from uh, spending a whole bunch of time in New York at the New Fronts and doing some other stuff. And uh, that is really going to be our main focus today. But you had a quick mention you wanted to talk about uh, just clarifying something related, not related to ad support, but related to Netflix account sharing, which, of course, was our topic last week. Yeah, something came out in the news last week. There were several pieces written about the fact that one million Spanish users had quit Netflix basically in Q1 over account sharing, the account sharing curbs that the company had brought in there in Spain. And, uh, well, it was misreported all over the place. But uh, the, the I went back and looked at the Cantar data and they in- indeed did say 1 million people, 1 million users had left. And they seemed to think that this was a very serious thing. And they they were saying that Netflix might want to review if they want to crack down globally on all of these users. But so basically, Will, what I did was I just went and looked at what Netflix said about how many people were using. And they said a third of the people using Netflix are actually sharing and not paying and just cranked a few numbers. And, you know, it looks to me like one million is kind of low. I would have expected more than 1 million users to have stopped using in Spain if they were shut out because of account sharing. And uh, I also looked at what would happen in the US if that happened, if, if, you know, similar results happened here. And basically, it looks to me like it it could be 15 million lost US users and 1.3 million service cancellations if you know, things go down in the US the way they did in Spain. So, yep, this is going to be a lot of people stopping using Netflix and a lot of subscribers going away. But ultimately, I think it'll probably, the people that leave will come back if they really did enjoy the, the content on the service. They'll come back and... Netflix, I think, will probably end up doing just fine out of this. So I think it was overblown, This, this, uh, all the fuss over the 1 million Spanish users leaving was yeah. a bit over, overblown. And it was basically as you would have expected based on what Netflix says is going on. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't, my head has not been in Netflix world in the past week. But um, yeah, I think we emphatically agreed when we did our podcast last week or the prior week that account sharing is highly likely to be 
highly successful for Netflix for all the reasons that we discussed then. So, um, and obviously it's incredibly important to Netflix that it be highly successful because there's a lot riding on this, but it felt like the early data that they had shared and the earnings call and the fact very importantly that they increased their operating income guidance in their last quarterly report seemed to indicate that they're pretty optimistic about how this is going to play out based on the early experiences that they've had in other countries where they've rolled this out. But of course, we're all in show me mode on that. Uh, But I think we agree there's ample reason to be optimistic about that. But hey, we'll wait and, you know, we'll wait and see. Having that ad supported tier out there now is is critical for Netflix in terms oh, of yeah. retaining and, and attracting, you know, new you sales. Bet. Yeah. You bet. I think they've lined up the they've got the ducks in, in a row for rolling this out. But anyway, let's yeah. let's get on with the yeah. new fronts. Yeah, let's get on to the new fronts. And I'm gonna first just apologize to listeners because I'm gonna talk extremely fast today. There's a ton of stuff to cover. And I'm not going to try to cover 100% of it because that would be crazy to try to capture everything that uh, went on at the new fronts. But um, I'm going to hit on the high points first. Most important is huge, huge congratulations to IAB for hosting and organizing the new fronts, especially Eric John, David Cohen, and the events team at IAB. It is just an absolute massive amount of work what they do there. Uh, And having done events of my own for many, many years, I just cannot get my head around the scale and the scope of what goes into planning the new fronts. It's a critical service to the industry that they're performing. It's an incredibly valuable forum for content providers, for the platforms, for the OEMs, for the buyers. And the presenters, I think the ones that I attended, which I'll mention in a moment, I thought uniformly did a fantastic job. There's just a ton of work and an investment by a lot of people who spent a lot of time preparing for relatively short presentations. Um, and there are a lot of resources that go into the venues, the production, the video, et cetera. And I just you know, had a chance to talk informally to a number of people who were involved with supporting these events, these presentations, and they worked tirelessly. The amount of time that goes into this is just beyond belief and it really shows up in the presentations and I think it really pays off importantly in terms of how it helps accelerate the market and keep everyone focused on what's actually happening and what to pay attention to. So uh, all that to the good, just a very quick shameless plug that I hope that at Video News' fourth annual CTV Advertising Summit virtual on June 8th that we'll do our part in terms of contributing to the dialogue, accelerating the market, and very importantly, trying to stay focused on the primary issues and the primary questions in the industry. So I was fortunate to attend in no particular order new fronts by YouTube, Vizio, Amazon, Samsung, Peacock, Roku, BBC, Innovid, Raptive, Estrella, Comscore, Reverie, DirecTV, and TiVo. And that is a mouthful right there. I can that say must was, have all got, that must have all gone by in a blur, Will. My well, goodness. It was, it was a lot of running around, but when I was in attendance, I was trying to stay focused, take my notes, take my pictures. And I'm just going to share, Colin, first the top five takeaways. 
very top line, and then we'll get into some of the details. And I know that you uh, watched some of these, have read extensively about what happened during the week. So um, I just want to talk very quickly at a top level, the five most important things I took away. Number one, connected TV cannot underestimate how important a through line it is. It was through all the presentations. It is the number one priority in every single presentation I attended. The only exception is Snap because Snap doesn't have a CTV play. I did not attend the meta presentation. Uh, I suspect that they didn't talk about CTV either. Um, but for everybody else, it's CTV number one, number two, number three. And my lens going in is sort of around what um, I'm thinking about how I'm organizing the June 8th conference, which is that uh, most people in the industry, all people in the industry now recognize CTV is number one and it's going to be massive. And really the primary questions that I was looking for answers to as I look through, as I attend the presentations is which companies are going to get what slices of the pie, what size of the slice of the pie they're going to get and why is that? So how are companies positioning themselves to win in the future? We'll talk more about that in a second. Takeaway number two, uh, there are clear yet still relatively subtle shifts in messaging around what CTV advertising is going to become going forward. Uh, it has been primarily, as we all know, primarily an upper purchase funnel medium to date. Still, the vast majority of CTV spending is around reach and frequency KPIs, upper funnel, uh, replacement of linear uh, GRPs that have been lost as a result of cord cutting and the slide in linear TV. Uh, talk more about that in a minute, what the shifts are, what the messaging was around outcomes in full funnel. Number three, FAS got a huge amount of attention. Uh, there are a lot of numbers that were mentioned, um, how many fasts are out there. There are a lot of inconsistencies right now about how many fasts there are. There's really no good data on what the real viewership is of fasts. Um, it's not clear yet what it takes to actually achieve liftoff, quote unquote, in the fast business. It's not clear how many of the fasts are not going to achieve liftoff and probably won't be heard about within a couple of years or so. It's very hard not to get caught up in the enthusiasm about fasts, but I want to raise a caution flag and I'll talk more about this when we get into it. But for 50 over 50 years, the premium ad supported TV business has had two revenue streams. It's been a hybrid of advertising and the fees, <laughs> excuse me, the fees that networks, TV networks collect from pay TV operators, dual revenue stream model known very well to everybody who's ever been around the cable TV industry, which I was for the first eight years of my career. The dual revenue stream is really important because those underlying fees that got paid and still do get paid every month by pay TV operators provide a base level of stability to TV networks and content creators that is provided irrespective of the swings in the economy, which immediately impacts ad spending. And that's exactly what's happened in this economic downturn. And it's very hard to budget for original production 
when you do not have good visibility on what your revenue sources are going to be. So that those pay TV fees, the affiliate fees, the carriage fees, they go by different names, retransmission consent fees, uh, very important part of providing stability in the creator community, whether that's Hollywood or, you know, the YouTube-ish type of creator community. Fourth takeaway, the ownership of the platform and the glass, so to speak, and access to first-party data is only going to become more important going forward. There's been a lot written about the deprecation of cookies, Apple's move with IDFA, privacy regulations, blah, 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 blah. We all know about that. All of that makes first-party data increasingly important. And when it comes to collecting first-party data, ownership of the platform and the glass is critical. And all of the glass owners, if you will, Amazon, Vizio, Roku, Samsung, all highlighted how important the ownership of the platform and the glass is. And it's, it's something that I think we're all going to learn a lot more about going forward, the interplay between hardware, software, data, ad tech, uh, as CTV becomes more of a full funnel world. The final takeaway is I really thought everybody did great to a, to a presenter. I thought everybody uh, did a really great job, very organized, very clear. There are always going to be differences, you know, depending upon your tastes, what you're looking for, et cetera. But uh, three presentations to just to quickly call out. Uh, first, special props to Reverie, the LGBTQ network, which did something in their new front that I've never seen before, was I thought very unique. Um, and really high impact, a original kind of mini musical takeoff of the Wizard of Oz, um, all around inclusivity and uh, LGBTQ, which of course is their positioning, their originals that they're uh, doing. It was choreographed apparently by uh, somebody who's done a lot of work, a young um, person who's done a lot of work for Madonna and just huge props to Paul Cantonis and the whole Reverie team. It was, it really captured, I think I'm not overstating, it really captured everybody's imagination who was in the IAB uh, ballroom uh, yesterday. Um, call outs to Amazon and to Roku. Amazon, the breadth of what they're doing in CTV and streaming and media in general extends beyond anybody else. Uh, their presentation was the most lavish, done at the David Geffen Hall at Lincoln Center, highlighted their full portfolio, freebie, podcast, Twitch, sports, data access, ownership of the glass, examples of uh, full funnel, lower funnel wins that they've already achieved, um, originals, ad-supported originals coming to freebie, like Jury, two shows they highlight, Jury Duty and Primo. Jury Duty, a show by Mike Schur, who needs no introduction to anybody, I think, who's listening to the podcast. His um, breadth of work speaks for itself in the TV industry. Um, the launch of what they're calling Fire TV Channels, which is basically their name that they're giving to their portfolio of FAS. We'll wait and see whether it sticks or not, but... They intend to be a big player in FAST, and they bring a lot of advantages to the table. 
an amazing performance uh, by Mumford uh, as well. Just, I'm not a huge Mumford fan, but really, really went over big. Um, so very impressive from Amazon just to kind of take a step back and appreciate everything that they're doing, the resources that they're putting into this market. Call out, shout out to Roku as well. In my view, there's nobody in the industry that knows the industry and the market better than them. They consistently punch above their weight across all functions in the company. Every note that they struck, in my opinion, uh, across different topics in their presentation, I thought was uh, spot on four key priorities. Um, from an ad tech standpoint, their prime time, their AI and contextual, their action ads, what they're doing with what they call Commerce Plus. Their original strategy got a lot of attention. Um, you know, obviously, uh, it's all subjective. People decide what they're into, what they're not into. Roku's prioritizing three main areas, food, multicultural Spanish, and brand-centric storytelling. A-list stars on stage, Jessica Alba, Sofia Vergara, the co-hosts of the great British and now American baking show, Rich Eisen, uh, a young performer named Charlie Puth, Weird Al Yankovic, um, just leveraging across the full funnel examples of what they've already done with clients, what they're going to do. And last but not least, this Roku City, quote unquote, Roku City theme that they're carrying that's really born out of the 40 million Roku uh, users who turn on their TVs have been really, I think, somehow had their imagination captured by this Roku City screensaver, animated screensaver, that um, Roku is now fully capitalizing on. It's providing them huge earned media, and they're also investing heavily around it. It's becoming an organizing principle for the company in terms of how they're inviting brands to participate with them in Roku City, how they're uh, organizing their originals, the through line of their originals and what they're trying to do to leverage the Roku City positioning. Um, it all comes together, I think, really well. And they tell the story better than anybody across the industry. They just, they know what their messages are they know the market really well. They tell the story really well. And they continue to really be the little engine that could consistently punching above their weight. So this is a highly competitive market for sure. Uh, as I just mentioned, Amazon is throwing ungodly amounts of resources at this market, as are all the other companies that presented and companies that didn't even present. Um, but Roku is is always in the mix there and uh, and for good reason so anyway that didn't mean to be talking 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 but uh, i think ieb is going to be posting all the sessions in the next week or two and i just encourage listeners to spend time with them because if you want to kind of understand the priorities the messaging the differentiation um, these presentations are the best moment of the year and for sure there's a lot of gloss around them and you have to listen closely and distinguish between uh, spin and reality but uh, when you do so there's i think a lot to be learned from them 
Yeah, yeah, I want to go all the way back to the beginning, Will, because the IAB actually released their 2022 ad spend and 2023 outlook report, you know, right at the beginning of the week to sort of coincide with the start of the new fronts. And uh, they they gave their forecast for what they thought connected TV was going to do in advertising uh, this uh, this year, and they're forecasting pretty strong growth. And you know everything that you talked about there from the new fronts that you heard at the new fronts really seems to reinforce why they're so bullish. And basically, they're forecasting a twenty one percent increase between twenty two and twenty three from eighteen point six billion to 22.5 billion and uh, that's a pretty decent growth rate which I really think when you when you actually look through that report and that report by the way is available for free um, if you want to download it from the IAB website they actually talked about some of the reasons behind why this market was growing so fast and basically it's because the buyers have now view it as their most important resource. Um, so it's even more important now than social media. So I think they said, oh, you know, just about two thirds of buyers they spoke to said it was top of their priorities. Must buy, I think, was the quote, Colin. Yeah, yeah, must, must, buy. M- must buy, exactly. Yeah. So I think that's one of the, you know, one of the biggest reasons why the IAB is very bullish. And I know eMarketer also says 21% growth as well. So they're equally as, as bullish there. So, uh, you know, that just sort of reinforces, uh, I think, everything that you just said, the innovation we're seeing in the marketplace, in the advertising. That was actually one of the things that continues to, I think, uh, really separate CTV with, from traditional TV. It's such a platform for innovation, Will. People are just able to do new things, things that they couldn't do before on this platform that really set it apart. And, you know, there were a couple of things that I thought that were really pretty darn amazing that people were doing uh, that I wanted to call out. The first was uh, well of course AI is is helping out here in this space as well as it is just about everywhere else in media uh, and, and apparently in, in our entire society but basically what Roku said that they were doing was that they're processing with AI all the video that's in the Roku channel and they're using it to recognize objects faces etc and what's going on in, in that video and using that to enhance the metadata. So that's great. But what, what are they, what do they see that, how do they see that this will benefit a brand? Well, they gave us an example. How about, how much would a wireless provider pay to have an ad right after ET phones home in the ET movie? Or how about right after uh, Cuba Goodings Jr. and Jerry Maguire tells tells Jerry, "Show me the money," uh, over the phone. You know, th- these are these are golden advertising opportunities. And now Roku is allowing an advertiser to slot right in after those key scenes, whenever and wherever somebody is watching that on the Roku channel. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, let me just, if I may, just quickly jump in, Colin, and say that um, there were frequent mentions of AI at various presentations. 
yet all the references still seemed relatively squishy <laughs> in terms of <laughs> what you know AI is, what it's going to be, how it's going to transform. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the point that you just made, fair, I agree with, was you know probably one of the top three most tangible references to AI during the time the sessions that I went to. Uh, but it's hard not to sit there and let your imagination run wild right. on what how AI is going to transform our viewer experiences and also, of course, the ad experiences. It's going to be really something to 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 to, to watch. I think it will, uh, but it just really—I mean—that's the particular reason I like the Roku example so much. Will is that's what I really heard at NAB. I think the place that AI is helping the most with right now is in uh, is in annotating what's going on in the video. It has this ability now to recognize faces, objects, and and it can just run in the background and index all of the video in a way that it's just impossible for us to do as human beings. It just takes too long and t t too much to too much to to do. So that was one area. But I did want to mention one other area of innovation that I really liked as well, and that was from Amazon. So if you're a Thursday night football fan, uh, you're going to be, you might be seeing a different ad to somebody else in the same slot and from the same company. So this is, this is, I thought, really fun uh, application of targeting. Amazon is going to allow a major advertiser, national advertiser, to run different ads in the same national slot to different homes. And uh, just to explain what that, that what well, what might that look like? Well, GM, for example, could run an ad for a Camaro to a young adult, a Cadillac CT5 for older viewers and a Chevy Trailblazer to everyone else. Or, you know, maybe they could show a Chevy Bolt ad to everybody in California and on the on the West Coast. Uh, that That's and they can do that in the same slot at the same time during Thursday Night Football which is kind of cool. And uh, if you happen to be watching on a Fire TV device, they can make that interactive. So with just a single click of the button, they'll use push to email or push to phone, push to mobile, and they'll send a link to a landing page that you can browse at your leisure uh, after the show or you know when, you, when you've got a little bit more time. So this is this sort of innovation, and this is this is only scratching the surface. I think there was elements of innovation in in all of the presentations that I read about, and and the couple that I saw. Uh, it's such a great platform for innovation, and I think that's one of, such a big difference from traditional TV. And when you couple it with the uh, with the data, uh, it, it's just a huge win. Yeah, I, I agree with that, also, Colin. And um, what you just described there is a perfect example of when I keep yammering on and on and on about CTV becoming full funnel and lower funnel. Yep. The example you just gave is illustrative of that. What people are going to be able to do with their voices, with their remote controls, with their mobile devices to act on ads and what creatives are going to be able to do to present those opportunities to people, to viewers is like top of the first inning right now, literally. I mean, it's not going to be long before we look back on QR codes, which are kind of the dominant you know, method for interacting, as we saw in the Super Bowl ad, with the Super Bowl ads recently. 
we're going to look back nostalgically because the market is going to blow past that in short order. And it's going to be a, an experience. It's literally going to be an experience when you sit down and watch TV. And the ads are going to be a key part of the experience. But, um, you know, Amazon showed the various ways that they've enhanced Thursday night football. They've enhanced the experience of watching a game with their data, how you can isolate on certain players and pull up the stats. And, you know, especially given all the fantasy and betting that goes on these days on sports, these are innovations that matter a lot to a lot of people who are trying to get an edge. And Amazon plays right into that. So, yeah, I think the experience and the innovation, the blending of sight, sound, and motion with, again, the underlying capabilities of digital, that's what CTV is all about. We've barely scratched the surface, as you said. But Colin, can we just shift? Because I, I know our time is relatively tight. And yeah. I know that you are Colin Fast's, Fast's Dixon there. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would like us to sort of air out a little bit more the discussion of Fast, Foss, whatever you want to call them. Um, because, again, as I said earlier, it is very hard to resist getting caught up in the enthusiasm around fast, FOSS, whatever. Um, and there's a lot to like about them. And there's a lot to like about them from a viewer perspective, because as Scott Rosenberg at Roku told us a gazillion and a half years ago, the number one search term on Roku is, has been, and always will be the word free. And that's what fasts are all about. At the same time, it feels to me like there are a lot of mouths that are going to be looking to be fed off of the fast model, the free ad supported yeah. model. Yeah. And as we all know, the more mouths that need to be feed, the more, you know, not to extend it too far, but the more hunger there is ultimately to be had. And that worries me, Colin. Is that legitimate or am I being a chicken little here? No, you're not. And in fact, I think this is one of the things I've written about quite a lot. Look, I totally get the explosion in the fast market audiences. We are totally ready for free ad supported video online. There is no question. When I first thought about it, I always I thought that it would evolve as part of a sort of freemium offering. We've talked about this before, where you have some free, which leads you into premium. But that's not the way it seems to be exploding. Fasts have really caught fire in the last two years. Um, if we've been having this conversation two years ago, they had a very minority audience. Now, looking at TiVo data, they're saying that better than 60% of, of people say that they are now watching free ad-supported streaming TV. Every single one of the top TV platforms now have built-in fast services. So the last piece was these Fire TV channels. So now all Fire TV devices have these Fire TV channels built in. And, you know, it, this is great for users. But figuring out what to watch, how to watch, which platform you need to be on to get the suite of channels that interest you the most is really challenging. And, you know, that, that just plays, I think, into the, the, the real, one of the biggest problems here, which is discovery and the user experience. And uh, with so many platforms out there, 
it's tough for an advertiser to figure out where to best place their advertising to reach the audiences that they're most keen to reach. But just to stay on the viewer side for just a second, because it seems to me that what you just said is that it extends beyond discoverability. There's just already, if not already, there's going to be too much free content out there and viewers are going to get spoiled. They're going to get trained that content should be free, that ad interruptions should be minimal, that they should shift some of their viewership from paid services to free services as they get better, as the Mike Shure uh, shows of the world continue to get made. It seems like a problem that extends beyond better discovery. It seems like a supply and demand, a fundamental Econ 101 supply and demand problem that's being created in this industry. That, again, I don't want to be chicken little. Nobody has been a bigger proponent, I don't think, than I have of connected TV advertising and its potential. But nothing is limitless in this world. There are finite boundaries around everything. And it seems like we're already starting to extend beyond them. I don't know. Does does that, from the viewer perspective, is it just going to be all overwhelming and and not economic at some point? I don't know. What do you What do you think? Well, it already is. It, it already, already is. is over. I, it already I believe is. it already is over. Okay. Listen to well, this. that's not a good the sign top, for the future. If it no, it's is. not. The, the top what five or six fast services all have well over three hundred channels each. And they're not the same between each of the platforms. So how you figure out what you watch from that is really tough. The tools that they're given usually are fairly rudimentary. As you say, there's so much content now. I mean, let's be honest. How much are these minority channels, the smaller channels on these big services being watched? Probably not a lot. Actually, I... I, I... I'd probably go the other way. That, to me, feels like one of the bright spots of the market, simply because the underlying population, the number of people who are interested in diverse programming is rapidly expanding, um, and it's an underserved market. But Well, but one of the challenges changes there, Will, yeah. is what I'm hearing from the marketplace when I talk to providers, it's getting tougher to get on them because they're looking for top tier content now because they know it draws more eyeballs it's getting very tough for the smaller providers to get on the platforms in the first place yeah so yeah look (laughs) there are lots of problems here for viewers for brands and for content providers and it's such a fragmented market it's really hard to see how this fragmentation can last in the long term. There has to be some convergence and some order here for everybody to be able to operate in this market as efficiently as as possible, whether it be viewer, brand, or or a provider, service provider. Yeah. And I, you know, we, we seem to be a ways away from that. I mean, look, we've got we've got Amazon launching a new platform. We have Warner Brothers Discovery will be launching their platform sometime this year. Uh, so we're not converging today, uh, but you got to believe that ultimately there has to be some convergence in this market and some simplification so that people can actually find things and advertisers know where to advertise and there's some order here in the market. Well, two quick thoughts here, Colin. The first is that 
there doesn't seem to be any sign of a slowdown in the number of fasts that are being launched. And yep. we don't have any good viewership data just yet. I think we can yep. fairly assume that there's a massive long tail, quote unquote, of fast channels out there. So at some point, we're going to start getting the data. And I suspect it's going to be a wake up call to everybody. That's the first point. The second thing I think that's also uh, critical to keep in mind, given that YouTube was the first, very first New Front presentation of the week, is that even in the context of all this free, these you know fast channels, YouTube remains the 800-pound gorilla of the free ad-supported market, and YouTube has this you know whatever adjective you want to use, but quasi-magical ability to keep churning out these super popular, oftentimes young creators who really generate big followings. Uh, I mean, the host of the YouTube New Front was Liza Koshy, 17 million subscribers. She's doing four studio movies in the next year, she said. YouTube has that unique ability way beyond, in my view, TikTok or Instagram or anybody else, ability to create, create, have a platform for the creation of these really popular creators. And again, to the extent that time is ultimately the finite barrier in all this, YouTube sucks up a lot of time, particularly among young people, that all these fast channels are competing against particularly in the younger demo, but even arguably among people beyond the younger demo that end up going down all kinds of YouTube rabbit holes and spending an hour, two hours, three hours, because one video leads to the next. So that's a dynamic, I think, that is maybe not yet fully understood or appreciated, is how YouTube impacts the ultimate size, profitability, economics of the fast market. What do you think? And I, I completely agree. And I'll go further. And I, I've read a couple of articles that in the last week or so that were discussing if we should really be counting UGC as premium TV content. And the short answer to that is, yeah, you know, I've got to tell you that in my home, uh, it's it's a go to channel and there's plenty of TV quality content being produced out there today. Uh, and I, it really does occupy a sizable amount of my viewing, and it's clearly occupying a sizable amount of other people's viewing too. So, uh, yeah, uh, totally, I totally understand. Um, I totally understand what you're saying, and I, you know, to a large extent, I agree. Colin, if your house is egged tonight, I will tell you right now, the people who did the egging, the eggers, are the SWAT team from YouTube because. That acronym, UGC, User Generated Content, they have invested untold resources in trying to move past. And I am right there with them. I think that term is completely archaic, out of bounds, and pardon being too militant here, but really not even relevant anymore because the creators on YouTube, they're creators. In every sense of the word, mm-hmm. they are as creative or more creative than any person who works in traditional media, studios, TV, etc. These are people who are who know their craft, invest inordinate amount of time in their craft, 
And the payoff is real in the sense that they get millions and millions and millions of people following their content. And my attitude is that this whole sort of, you know, figment, if you will, division between premium and non-premium has melted away because ultimately it's all comes down to what do people want to spend time with? Yep. It doesn't need to be a $5 million per episode, $10 million per episode Game of Thrones production if it's something that holds people's attention. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit amazing to me sitting there at the YouTube presentation that they still feel the need, which obviously they do, and it's legitimate. They would not spend their time on this point if they didn't feel the need trying to persuade ad buyers that YouTube creators are equal to, if not more important than traditional studio and TV talent to a certain segment of the market. It, it was just amazing to me to sit in the audience and hear them delivering that message yet again when it seems so obvious at this point, so yesterday, and yet they do it because obviously they still feel the need to do it. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I've had too much Kool-Aid, but I, I feel like <laughs> we've moved on. I don't know, man. Sorry to give you grief I about think, using I UGC, you, but I, I just, you that have, really rankles uh, me, Colin. I don't know, man. <laughs> well, I, you know, Will, I got to tell you that I was not using UGC in a pejorative way at all. You know, the people I see, the people I, I watch a lot on YouTube, on TV, it is primarily on TV for me and, and my partner, that they are self-producing this content you know they're they're often a couple or a pair or three people and they self-produce the content so you know i I don't use it in a pejorative sense at all and it is a it is actually a testament to the tools that we have at our disposal now that pretty much anybody can put together extremely professional results that Feel exact, feel and play exactly like you would expect professional quality video to play. Then maybe what it should be called is CGC or something, creator generated content. Because I think that maybe you that, may you patent that, patent that. That's I don't know. I mean, there aren't many things that really, really get under my skin, but that term UGC has such a clear connotation of like cats on a skateboard to me. Yep, maybe that that I I you know whatever. Who said corporations are people too? Was that Mitt Romney? I can't remember like a all time ridiculous remark, but in this aspect i do actually believe that youtube has been pushing a rock up a hill here for way longer than they should have because this ugc <laughs> thing just got stuck yeah. and it's really cgc or whatever yeah. well maybe we should uh, carry the banner and see if we can establish <laughs> cgc as a, as a new term for the, for really quality content but uh, as to as to whether you've been drinking the kool-aid will i think that defines what you've been doing for the last two days in the new fronts so <laughs> well i you know i mean I, I hope that listeners and people who have read my stuff over the years and people a lot of people i ran into over the course of the few days, uh, you know, I hope they do respect that I and you and us try to cast a critical eye and a sober eye on these things and not yeah. get caught up in the Kool-Aid. And I hope that the takeaways that I've shared today and that you've also, you know, of course shared, we've discussed are sober. They're not yeah. hype. They're not, but they are sober. There are 
you know, I don't think of myself as Mother Teresa, but there are a lot of people's jobs and by extension, a lot of families whose livelihood depends on the future shape of this market. Yeah. And one need look no further than the writer's strike that started this week to understand the implications of how this stuff plays out. And it's real. And yeah. people and make decisions. And by the way, our friends at YouTube really won't be affected by this at all because their CGC producers will just keep on producing. But you know what, Will? I think, we've, I think we've just about expired our time here and uh, maybe we should call it quits while we're ahead. Uh, or behind, as the case may be. Uh, we'd probably <laughs> fatigue our listeners. Anyway, we're over and out, Colin. Great chatting. Great seeing everybody at the uh, uh, New Fronts this week. And um, thanks for listening in. We'll see you next week. Inside the Stream is a production of In Screen Media and Video News. All rights reserved.